Welcome to the podcast version of 32 Bar Cut, the show. A series for performers, about performers, made by performers. Every week, we give audition advice, share personal experiences, and sit down with fellow colleagues in the performing arts to chat about their life in the industry. If you are hearing this message, you are not currently a subscriber and will only be hearing the first half of the podcast. If you would like to hear the full interview, including the Curtain Call series, you'll want to head over to 32barcup.com, where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. Thanks for listening. Without further ado, on to the show. He's lovable, he's loyal, <laughs> and he's generous in real life and on stage. Welcome to the show, Ben Jeffrey. Hi, guys. Thanks so much for having me. We are so excited to have you on. We I'm stoked just... to be here. This is going to be super fun. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because now I get to hear about your whole life. And I feel like there's so many parts I don't know, which is pretty yeah. exciting. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's well, it's, I mean, it's riveting stuff. <laughs> so just be prepared. <laughs> so how are you doing? I always like to start the show with asking everybody how they're doing. How are you? You know, uh, uh, we're all sort of muddling through, right? And yeah. so I am. Well, I will say this: I'm better now than I was six months ago hey uh you know so the uh because it's it's this is i i didn't you know the weird thing is everything just everyone knows we're all shut down overnight right for all of us and i think so for me and for a lot of us on and everyone is everyone has their own unique struggle and pain that comes from that and for us it was the fact that like we went from doing eight shows a week in my case for 10 years to doing nothing in a day and I would love to say that like I was a grown up and resilient and coped with that like a champion and that's a lie <laughs> so I, I definitely was like oh I'm gonna just basically not deal well with my identity being flushed down the toilet and um, but you know we all got through that because it, it's also I think the hardest thing about this has been that it feels like the goalpost keeps getting moved right mm -hmm. like we keep we, we keep we keep just getting the first it was like two weeks no problem. Two weeks. I was like, awesome. Two weeks off my knee. Easy peasy. Then yeah. it was a month. And I'm like, still, what? Manageable. Then we were talking about the fall. Then we were talking about the new year. Now we're talking about this fall. And, and, and who knows? So I kind of got to the point now where I'm just like, uh, pretty much until I hear Circle of Life on stage, I won't believe it's actually happening. <laughs> but, um, but now it's also, you know, we've all sort of adjusted and, and, and found ways that we fit in. And my family's very fortunate. My wife's a mental health counselor. So her practice blew up turns out it's like a lot of stress in the world right now so we've been very fortunate that we've still been able to make ends meet and uh you know i've been able to find like a part-time job uh as well working with kids at a remote learning center uh just to kind of help young people who are trying to get educated during this time which is its own challenge so falling into a new rhythm is happening you know and it's hard because we're all still sort of in a holding pattern i think but mm -hmm. By and large, now I'm in a holding pattern that's a little more manageable than just being sad and depressed all the time. So we're we're getting by. Yeah, that I love that your answer was so real. Honestly, I wouldn't expect anything less from you because you you really don't you know you don't put on no. facades. But um, yeah, I I know, can, my life is a lie. <laughs> <laughs> I can 
Oh man, I can relate to that so hardcore because um, just losing your identity in a day, honestly, I was feeling the same way about the knees. I was like, oh, yeah. ooh, when we get back from this, man, my knees, the swelling is gonna be down, so oh, good. lubricated, like it's gonna be yeah. great. And then I was like, what am I doing? And, you know, we were in Holt Summit, Missouri, which is, you know, it was safer because there's so few people there. But also I just went from the hustle and bustle of like, you know, maneuvering through people and the train and, you know, mayhem to just yeah. quiet. And uh, I don't know, it was very yeah. difficult. <laughs> Austin's laughing at my sounds. Anyway. <laughs> He's over there and he's, he's like, I mean, like I was there. It wasn't the end of the world. Right, he's like, like, what yeah, about uh, me? Uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> no, and I can I can empathize with it. And we, you know, we stayed here, uh, which was its own weirdness because the city shut down, you know? Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I think everyone at that time is there's, we're, we're all gonna be talking about this in therapy for the next 15 years, yeah. like, you know, and that's, and that's just part of, what it is but also like the thing i i try to remember and stuff is i'm like you know it's my first global pandemic i don't know about you but this is my first <laughs> one so i think that like we can all we can like take a little pressure off of ourselves to have done this well mm -hmm. because nobody had a metric for it like yeah. literally nobody so take a step back the fact that like we're still standing and i'm not like a complete alcoholic who's yeah. like family left him you know what i mean is I'm just gonna take that win. You that know what I mean? Win. Yeah. 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 So that's kind of where I'm at now too. <laughs> <laughs> every every day I'm not in a ditch somewhere is a win. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like too, uh, that whole family aspect, now you get to spend more time. I I know you always were you're a family guy. You've been spending time, but it's like, oh, now you really get to sit in and and experience that without breaks and without the, you know, the the rigor of going into work. Yeah, yeah, and that's a that's a, a great thing, and and um, and it's a great thing. <laughs> uh, so, no, I, well, I, you know, the weird thing is like my so the, the other thing for me is right. I just come off a, a medical leave, so I just I'd had two surgeries mm -hmm. starting in December 2019, and I just come back. I'd been back at the show for a week and a half when the shutdown happened, and my wife was like, "Finally, he's going to be gone, and I'm going to have the house to myself." <laughs> for the first time in like two months. And then I was like, hey, surprise. <laughs> I'm back. I'm back. <laughs> and she was like, ah, damn it. So, uh, it, you know, it's, um, she's, so that was like hard too because there was a, a lot of togetherness, you mm -hmm. know what I mean? But, but like some of the advantages have been like, it's been great because like I, I, my daughter is six and this is the first time I've ever been able to put her to bed more than two days in a row. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So, so getting to like have that time and form that attachment has been really special. I built her a new bed that's pretty badass. It's got a slide on it because nice. they closed all the playgrounds here for like three months. So I was like, well, I need to feel useful. So I'm going to heal my childhood wounds through you. So, <laughs> you know, uh, but, so it's, it's been it's been special in that way. And it's been tough in that way because part of it, too, is like your routine and your schedule gets so disrupted. Yeah. And that and we had a rhythm, you know, like our family. It wasn't a perfect rhythm. No one's is. But we had a rhythm and it was working. And then it really got disrupted. And so everyone had i think a difficult time adjusting to that you know us our daughter but you know but now we're we're in a new rhythm and i think that that's going to teach us 
some resiliency for the next time things get disrupted because they will hopefully not by a global pandemic but but they will yeah absolutely because with our job with us being on principal contracts you have that pressure to fulfill all the obligations you know and to be charming and to be you know the epitome of what they're looking for at least close to it so that you know you get that contract every year and um I think now being stripped of all that kind of puts the pressure off of that feeling. It's like, oh, well, I know yeah. what this feels like. I'll be all right if I don't get that contract yeah. next year. But um, what's really cool about you, what I learned about you in our time at The Lion King, is that you kind of hit the jackpot as an actor. And yeah. I, I would love for you to share that experience with us. Because, like, did you always want to be an actor? No, you know, I started, so the, okay, the, story of Ben in a nutshell, right? So growing up in Kansas City, and Austin could probably attest to this, uh, the South Kansas City, like, so I would have been in like the center or Grandview school districts, which are some of the worst school districts in the country, like have been unaccredited for like 20 years. And oh. I mean, they're terrible. And so my parents were like, well, we want them to be able to read. We don't want them to get shot. We can't afford private schools. So they homeschooled us. So we were all, me and my two brothers were uh, home educated K through 12. And my mom wanted us to have the arts in our life and, and social interaction and, and uh, stuff like that. So she, she founded a performing arts group for homeschool students in the greater Kansas City area. And when she started it, I was like six years old and there were like eight kids involved. And then when I graduated high school, there were over 200 families involved. And we, we had like music and dance and, you know, you know, choir classes. And we were doing a couple of different productions a year and stuff like that. So, so it, it kind of turned into a really cool thing. And that's where I caught the bug and uh, when I was 16 or 17, it went from being fun to something that I was like, I think I, I think I want to give this a shot, you know, like I'm pretty good at it. Um, at least that's what like all my friends and family who come see my shows are telling me. So let's find out if they're right. Uh, and I went to, you know, went to, went to college, went to grad school. Um, and I remember in college, my junior year of college, talking to my theater department chair. And, and this is something I recommend for all young people. I just do like have a stuff. I went to him and I was like, OK, listen, I want you. You can't hurt my feelings here. I just want you to tell me the truth. Do you think I have a shot at doing this or not? Or like and I was like and I was like, I'll, I'll, I'm going to finish out my time here. So you're not going to like lose a student or anything like that. But like if I don't if this is not a feasible thing for me, let me know now so I can like plan my life after this. Mm. You know what I mean? And if you think it is a possibility, like if you think I've got what it might take, um, what's the next step? You know, so, so and, and, and I was lucky to go to a pretty, um, there's only about 60 people in my department. So, so we were able to have those interactions with our teachers. And he is uh, one of my great mentors, uh, Adam Hester. And he was like, yeah, I think you shouldn't. I think these are the next steps. So I think you should go to grad school. I think, you know, it's because you um, young for my type i have kind of a lot of like paternal older brother energy but i got like a big baby face under this beard so mm -hmm. one of the nice things about the pandemic is being able to grow a beard and not look like i'm 12 for a change <laughs> but the so he was like I, I think you'll age in your type a little bit better so like if you were going to go to grad school like now's the time so i did and then getting to lion king was the thing so i went to rutgers for three years and we had a, we had a showcase of rutgers and it's, it's a very good show and a showcase for those of you that don't know is basically you host a performance and everyone in your class does like a, usually a couple like short three minute scenes and they invite an audience of casting directors and agents and Rutgers at the time was a top five school for acting. So we a very good showcase turnout. Like we get a lot of casting directors and agents that show up. Uh, and I was fortunate enough to, to get some interest from that and signed with an agency I really loved uh, and got very good vibes from. And um, 
then you know I, uh, that was like the first recession that was like the 2008 2009 recession so like the economy was still recovering so like nobody was doing anything new so my and i had a couple of indie films lined up in kansas city and so my agent was like oh my god go go like we have nothing for you here if you have work <laughs> just go, go do it so i did and then i moved to new york in november of 2009 and i auditioned for lion king in february of 2010 and found out i was going to be pumbaa about a month after that so it was so like i i caveat the story for young people with that's usually not how it goes. No. Like I'm very <laughs> fortunate and I'm very blessed and I'm extremely grateful. Um, but it was definitely like, yeah. So I was, I kind of, in about five months, I went from working at Starbucks to, to being a principal on Broadway, which was pretty crazy. That is, see, that's the story I wanted everybody to hear because yeah. um, oftentimes you hear about the hitting of the pavement and that's what you, I remember talking to you about this like a couple years ago that that's what you expected. You had like oh, yeah. kind of banked on, you know, waiting a couple of years and doing the survival yeah. jobs and until it came your way. Mm -hmm. Well, and I, and I tell, like, I, I said, I'm going to give this three years. I'm going to give it as long as I gave grad school. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go to New York and I'll stay for three years, like no matter how miserable it is. Uh, and if nothing's happened, it's time, it's time to call it, right? Like it's, it's time for me. Now that that's my metric. That's my timeline. Mm -hmm. It can be different for everybody. Cause I know people have been here for like 15, 20 years and then something breaks. Like it's, so that's not, and that, and that's a, probably a more common story, um, because it's a, it's a pretty fickle industry. And, and, and listen, I, I worked very hard in college and grad school and I worked very hard on my audition. I still work very hard. And all of that hard work is probably maximum 10% of what got me the job on Broadway. Like, you know what I mean? Like I was replacing the original Pumbaa, Tom Allen Robbins. I was young. I was unheard of. I was cheap. I was, you know, like I was, I was all these different things. That's that, so it was so much of it was being in the right place at, at, at the right time. Um, and just kind of controlling the little element of it that I could, but yeah, I was expecting to be, you know, working at Starbucks or something like that for at least a couple of years. Um, and I, and I, yeah, signed into that. I was literally, I was, I was a barista at Starbucks and I remember calling my dad about three months to then and being like, I mean, I am, uh, I and that was a little, that was rough. That was, you know, that was rough for a while, but. I missed you there. Yeah. What did you, you said you called I'm your so dad? I'm so sorry. My wife knows I have this interview and she's calling me anyway. I thought I'd put this thing on do not, I did put it on do not disturb. I don't know why. I don't know why she's doing this. So, um, sorry about that. But, um, oh, it's cause she can call me through my do not disturb cause she's special. Um, so no, I, uh, I was, yeah, I was working at Starbucks and I remember calling my dad and being like, I mean, I've, I have a master's degree in acting. I've been in school for seven years and I'm making people their lattes. And that's like really depressing. Yeah. You know. Ben, yeah. oh my gosh, right there with you. I waited tables. I was a hostess. You know, I remember this woman one time I was working at this super posh restaurant in downtown Chicago. And this woman, um, I was the only hostess left. And so coat check was closed, meaning if you needed your coat, you needed to go downstairs and get it with the coat check person. We were no longer getting the coats for people because there was only one person at the front door and we had to man the front door. And I explained this right. to her and she just made me feel like, you know, sludge on the ground, basically. How dare I not go yeah. get her coat? And I just thought, this is this is how we treat service people here in this country. You know, if yeah. you 
I mean, not that this, not that everyone does this, but there's this hierarchy. If you have money, you can talk to people however you want. And yeah. I was like, no, ma'am. I'm not yeah. getting your coat. And it became yeah. a whole thing. Like the management came and they were like, why didn't you just get her coat? And I was like, you know what? At this point, it's principle. I'm not getting her coat. Yeah. You can take that elevator right yeah. next to me and go get your coat. But my point there was is- was an elevator. What's yeah, she was, crying about? Oh, oh she just, God. you know, she just- She, she sucked. She, she never heard no before in her life. She had enough money to where she doesn't hear the word no. I'm a black girl telling her, no, I'm not gonna get your coat. And it was just the whole thing. Um, uh. But yeah, master's degree, get fetching yeah. people's coats, delivering groceries, making lattes. It can yeah. really, it can wear you out. But yeah. it, if you stick with it, it's worth it because yeah. it means that you're available to go on these auditions. If yeah, you had been true. working yeah. a job probably that you were more qualified for, I mean, well, you were overqualified to make lattes, yeah. but yeah, <laughs> then um, you you might not have had the, the, the wiggle room to That's go on true. auditions. That's true. And also, I actually think that the, the more important lesson I think I learned all of that is, is, is and then this is a lesson that I continue to relearn and had to relearn during this pandemic is what what is your identity actually based in? Mm. Because if it is based in where and how you are working, you will perpetually be miserable because there's always somewhere better to be. Hmm. You know, there's always some something else that you're going to want. And so like, and that was, it was really what my dad told me when I called him and told him about this. He was like, listen, this is, this is not who you are. You know what I mean? And you need to figure that out for yourself because otherwise you will never be happy. Because if you keep basing your worth in that, like, like you know, like, like look, we're Broadway, we're, we're great. Like, we, I'm getting to do this thing I wanted to do since I was 16 years old. I've gotten to do it for 10 years. That's fantastic. And then it was taken away overnight. Mm -hmm. So what is that? If, if, if my whole being is wrapped up in that, I'm toast because it's fickle. Yeah. Like, it's going to be gone for yeah. one reason or another, mm -hmm. you know. And so that's a, that's a lesson learned, too, which is that, that this, this does not have to define you as a human being. You know, um, and yeah, these jobs like I so I always tell people now, I'm like, listen, I did all the things wrong. I came to New York with like no money, no job. I just gotten married. My wife was like, F this noise. I, you know, <laughs> this guy sucks. And uh, all these things happen. And and now I'm like, listen, sick go save up your pennies. You go like you have a bunch of money in the bank. You, you line up a survival job before you even move in, get an apartment with roommates that you can afford and blah blah blah, you know, like I'm, all these smart decisions that I didn't do. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, you know, I was thinking back to when you were mentioning your showcase and that you booked an agent that way and you said, I got a good vibe. Can you talk a yeah. little bit about that? Because I think it's really important that you you and your agents sure. like each other. So I think, so. well, here, the trick is this, is that like, again, this, so this is like good fortune coming my way, right? I can't take it. I was, I had a, I had a bunch of different agencies that were interested in working with me. Mm -hmm. And a, and I'm, this is going to sound really like boastful and I'm not trying to be that <laughs> way. Like, but people are genuinely lucky to get one or two. Mm -hmm. Like that that's that's a good response. You know, and if you got one or two agencies that want to work with you, that's a big victory. You know what I mean? Because there's only so many slots for people to represent. Mm -hmm. So I had a bunch and I had a bunch of different meetings with people. And so I was sort of had like the luxury and the privilege of being able to say, there's these three or four, you know, I had several that I was like, you guys are not, you're not like on the level of these other ones. Okay, mm -hmm. right. So, so um, thank you very much. I wish you all well. That's, that's not where we're going to go. Uh, and then there were like three or four that I was like, these are, these are really good agencies um, that I would be fortunate to work with any of them. 
And I sort of had the luxury of being able to say, but this agency are humans that I like. And I get a sense of them as, 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 as people like other agencies are like, listen, we want you to, we want you to work harder for your, your career than we are. You know, if every other actor does a hundred pushups, you do 110 and we, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't, I don't think I've got that in me. Like, I'm not wired for that. Like the hustle like that, I do yeah. not do that well. And so I'm like, okay, I mean, maybe that's what I And then this agency, I was like, so like, what do you guys expect from me? That was one of my interview questions. And they were like, we really want you to be available because we want to get you work. Mm -hmm. So we just went, and I was like, you mean you'll do that? And they were like, yeah, like that's our job. And I was like, yes, yes, that's what, I, but I also was fortunate to know like I had one of my teacher's husbands was actually rep by that same agency. So I had sort of an inside idea about who they were and, and they had had a child who had um, contracted cancer, leukemia, childhood leukemia. Mm -hmm. And the agency said, okay, we're not going to send you on any out of town stuff. We're going to get you booked for stuff that shoots here, that that you know that, that shows here. That don't worry about it. We're to, we know what your family's going through, and we're going to be here for you. We're going to get you work. And so I'm like, that's I'm interested in that. I'm interested in people that show up and are human beings to other people that aren't just like, oh, I'm really sorry about your kid, but this is a great job in you know Poughkeepsie or whatever. Like I, I so that that was honestly the biggest factor for me and, I, and frankly I would rather work with and my agency was not a lower tier agency they were a really great agency but I'd rather work with a lower tier agency of people that I want to work with mm -hmm. than a big name and a big reach that I don't want to talk to and don't want to be around you know so that was um so yeah if you can get that that's great that's what I, I do think any agent is better than no agent most of the yeah. time because even a lazy agent at least you can be like hey this is coming out submit me you know what I mean? Like they can make a call for you and, and, and negotiate for you so you don't have to be the bad guy. And there's, there's a lot of different ways that that works, which I think is healthy. But also then I think if you've got an agent you don't like, think of that as a stepping stone until you can find someone else. You know what I mean? Um, that was so that, but, but I was lucky enough to be with them for 10 years and then they closed for the, because of the pandemic, oh, which man. was so sad. But fortunately one of them moved to a different agency and was able to bring me along. So I'm still working with part of them which was very comforting to me because I mean they were I, I, at this point they were, you know they were my friends I mean they've been working with me for ten years and so I was heartbroken to lose that and I'm glad some of it gets to go on. That's really good advice, Ben. I, I think that our listeners and, and viewers are really going to appreciate that because it the story is different for everyone, but there's yeah. some fundamental things you should look for um, because it's really going to help fashion your career and you want someone that's rooting for you and believes in you. But yeah, that's a human being because we were chatting before uh, via email before our um, meeting today and you were just talking about how you really want to push for people to show more empathy and kindness in their interactions yeah. with each other in this industry because mm -hmm. oftentimes you can just feel like you know another number or just a, a faceless person until something sparks and they're like yeah. interested in you but otherwise you can feel uh, subhuman in ways absolutely uh, yeah I, I think that it's and it's hard right like we've got we have an overbalanced industry. There's there's so many people that want to be at, like before the pandemic, the actors equity union had a 90% unemployment rate. You know mm. what I mean? Like, so that's our, that's the situation. There are a lot of people who want to be actors and not a lot of jobs for actors, you know, and I don't want to discourage anybody from doing what they love. It's obviously I've had a wonderful life that I'm very grateful for. I also do always say this to young people, if there's another thing you can do and be happy, that's probably going to be easier than doing it. And I would recommend you do that thing. Um, but 
if there's not, and I'm I the blessing and the curse kind of only being good at one thing. Like I was not a great barista. He had Starbucks. <laughs> I was, you know what I mean? Like, I was okay, but I was not great because I'm pretty good at this and I'm not good at a lot of other things, you know? So I was like, I really hope this works out. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I think that one of the, there can be an idea of, of, of being cutthroat and backstabbing and, um, you know, going around people and, and, and manipulation. And, and I get it because there's a certain element of ego that's unavoidable in the arts, right? Like basically what you and I are telling people is we think it's worth it for them to pay hundreds of dollars for tickets to come watch us pretend. Right. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And there's more to it than that. That is a that's a gross mischaracterization and, and an understatement of, of the work that we do. But at its heart, we're telling stories and we're saying pay lots of money to come watch us tell stories. There's a certain element of hubris in that. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. like there's there's an element of ego that's involved there, I think. And I don't think that that means it's not valuable and not important. I think that that just means that's that's part of that circumstance. And so when you get that many big egos lining up, there's probably always going to be some friction. But what I, I, I think that my experience has always been that when people try to work together to tell the story and try to remember that at the end of the day, we're telling a story, you know, nobody's dying here. Mm -hmm. Nobody's right, right, you know what I mean? Um, and, and we're telling a story we're doing something that we love we're doing something that is valuable to the world and also that I, I find i think art is that it's most beautiful when it's a service i you know what i mean i think that when we put art on a pedestal it um it just becomes very very self-serving and un uninteresting to me i i think it's much better when it's something that we are giving people and that that's its value it it, it teaches and it defines and it um crystallizes the things that we believe and i think that's wonderful and and when we recognize that to do that what you really have to do is crawl inside other people's skin that should be that should be the key to empathy like i think actors should be the the the, the first people who are saying what what's it like to to live your story mm. what's that actually like for you and that should teach us something about how we treat other people and how we treat ourselves you know and and i think that because it's not actually easy to act well like people think it is and because look there there's the perfect role for everyone right like you got a biology student somewhere there is some some role and some take on some camera where he will be brilliant and worthy of an oscar so that's not acting though that's existing and getting filmed doing it which i mm -hmm. don't think is art yeah so <laughs> I, I, I uh but i do think that being able to tell stories and put on someone's story and mm -hmm. tell that in a truthful way is deeply valuable. And I think that that is, what I think is so important about art is, is, is that it engenders empathy and sympathy and curiosity about other people and about their stories. And it finds it like, as different as all of our stories are, they're also so much the same, like Lion King is a great example, right? It's, it's about lions, <laughs> so I don't have a deep personal connection to it, you know what I mean? Uh, it's also in South Africa, which I've never been to. I don't, I still, I've been in the show for 10 years. I still only know what about 30% of the South African words mean in the show, mm -hmm. you know, but there's also something about that story. That's my story, you know, and, and those are the things that I think get me really jazzed about being an artist and being an actor. And I don't understand why in an industry that thrives on that, we can be so cruel and so underhanded with each other. And so it was really great to be able to select an agency that made a conscious decision not to operate that way, you know, uh, and, and, I, and I told them when they closed, I said, listen, this has been 
I couldn't pick a better way to experience this industry because they, they just don't play those games and they have a reputation for not playing those games. And I'm like, that is a, that's the sort of thing I want to be a part of. Absolutely. I wonder too, where that mentality came into play, you know, um, cause you speak to, you know, we are these vessels, these truth tellers, these storytellers, but for some reason, in doing that, the ego gets so wrapped up that we forget the the base level of how we should be with each other. And um, yeah, that's interesting. I have, I really enjoyed my experience living in Chicago and, yeah. and getting to know that market. And I don't know if I was just naive or aloof, but I felt like I didn't have a lot of um, competitive audition waiting room experiences. No, that's great. And then when I got to New York, it was like night and day. And really? that made me so sad because mm -hmm. um, being a black actor, uh, there's not a lot of roles. And so when I get called in for something, whether whatever it is, you know that there maybe they're considering a black actress for that part. So we're all there in the room together. And instead yeah. of this, and well, for me, I don't know if it's just me, but instead of us all like kicking and, you know, laughing and getting to know one another, it's like silence, you know, and, and you know, it's, 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 uh, it's not what I expected or wanted. And I hope that that begins to change, especially after this whole year of us yeah. all trying to find ourselves or and having lost our identity in a way. Yeah. I hope that it gets better, but it sounds like you were saying it's not just the actors, but it's, you know, on different levels within this industry. Oh, well, I mean, like we've seen, look, all this stuff that's come out in the past few years uh, with the Me Too movement is, is a perfect example of, of people using positions of privilege and power mm -hmm. against people who don't have privilege and power, right? Mm -hmm. And that is that it's that sort of, that's only one example of the, it's what I would argue one of the more egregious examples of that behavior, but um it comes down to i think look it as much as i'm an optimist and i love humans and believe in humanity um we're broken all of us are broken and um there's always going to be a desire for us to to to, to get the edge to get ed yeah. i i also i once heard about it as like i just definitely want to make sure i'm not the first person that gets thrown out of the lifeboat you know what i mean so like i don't even need to be the top dog i just need to not be that guy you know what i mean and yeah. so there which is i think part of why we'll all pile up on the weakest one right because we're like hey hey hey, we might not be great but everyone remember you know joe over here so um i think that some of that is just human nature i think also you know i i don't know a lot about the other side of the industry about what it's like to be a casting director or you know what it's what, really what it's even like to be a director i'm a terrible director uh i really am i you know because I, I i can only like think about scripts in terms of an actor so i think about it from like whatever that character's perspective is i can't look at it as like a thing i can't do that well my older brother's a director and he's brilliant at it but i i just never got that gene and so i'm not i don't know any of that stuff i know enough about just from being around like you know uh local one stage hands and uh you know our, our wardrobe department and makeup department and so i know enough about what they do to understand the skills that are involved and you know a little bit of what their daily life is like but i still don't know what it's like to to be them but i know that for artists i think one of the things that we can do is is put put the the creation put the art sort of in this place of almost deity that like that's the most important thing 
You know what I mean? Like, like, and this is the, this is the holy thing when actually I think the giving of that thing is the holy thing. Mm. You know what I mean? I, I, I think that the, there's a, there's a thing that happens, you know, and I think we've all experienced it in Lion King and other places. There's this moment of connection with every person who's there. There's an experience there's something happening. And this is why I think live theater is important because you can't experience this on camera, yeah. you know, uh, is that there's a, there's an exchange of energy feeling, um, self that is remarkable and beautiful. And like that's, and you get that, you get that from great painting. You get that from great sculpture. You get, you, you get a sense that this, there's an artist there who was like, this is a thing that I can give to the world that will do something that will have an effect on it. You know what I mean? You might not always know what it is, but that is a, that's a beautiful thing. And I think that artists, we can get wrapped up in doing that. And I want to be the person who does that. And, and look, it's a good feeling. It's a good feeling when that happens, it feels great. And, and you can, I think, get yourself to a place where you're like, you're chasing the high rather than doing the work. Mm. You know what I mean? And yeah. so I think, I think that because it is, I mean, it's, oh, it's a total rush. You know what I mean? Like when you go out and, and when like when the place like opens up and, and people are screaming and going, I mean, it's, oh, man, that's that's good crackers, you know. But <laughs> but it, but if you if you're if that's the thing that you're chasing rather than telling the story and giving the gift, I think that's where we as artists will get lost. And mm -hmm. I think that that's compounded by the fact that you've got a lot of money at stake here and money makes people do crappy stuff mm -hmm. you know what i mean like so so you've got a producer who's sinking millions of dollars into a show they want to get a return on their investment and i can understand that but it's also it's also a matter of like what what is the cost here in terms of what we're doing and sometimes it's not quantifiable in a monetary way mm -hmm. sometimes we have to ask ourselves what the cost is to our souls and to you know like it's like what is what does it profit a man to gain the world and lose his soul? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And and I think that that's the thing when we take the soul out of art, we've lost the whole purpose of it. I'm talking a lot, maybe like preaching about this now. So I'm sorry if I'm all over the place. No, uh, I appreciate it because even just you talking about that, about just really the live theater medium and yeah. getting the chance to experience those accolades firsthand, you know, oh, yeah. is um. It, it's it's interesting and then it's like then you go over to tv and film where maybe you don't receive those accolades in that way but it's just um it's different and i have to ask you about this because i yeah. haven't done any tv and film and um so I, i'm yet. curious yet 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 <laughs> yes yes let's say yet i haven't done any tv and film yet but i know that you've done quite a bit and you just came from filming from shooting uh a guest star on FBI, yeah. which congratulations, that's Thank amazing. You. So was, what is it like nice. to, to switch mediums and to, to go into that world? Uh, well, first it was really great to be acting again. It's been a year, so <laughs> that was awesome. And I think, um, I also want to like a sidebar about FBI. They have one of the coolest groups I've ever worked with there. They mm -hmm. are like, so they're Missy Peregrim and Zico Zaki are, are the, their two principals. And you could not find a more kind, empathetic, welcoming pair of people. Like they were just, and it's what I found on TV sets is that like, if you're one or two on the call sheet, that sort of filters down that mm -hmm. energy. And that, cause like the, the show centers around you, you're there every day, you're there most often, you're the busiest. And so that all filters down to the rest of you. And when I got there, the PAs are kind and happy. You know what I mean? Like the, like, like the sound guys are cheerful. 
everybody and, and working with the two of them and uh, a couple of the other cast members like they're dedicated to the work they take it seriously and do it and they have fun you know and they're present with people and it, it's definitely not an environment of okay this is the thing that we do here so like you better show up and get it done they were like no this is our thing come on in come nice. on in how do we how do we do this together and, oh man it was just a, a thrill and a pleasure like if i couldn't act for a year and then had to pick a job to come back to it would be that like what a gift to get to work with people like that um but it's interesting because we were actually talking about it and because you know like i've done i've, I've sung a kuna matata like 3500 times and they were like <laughs> you know how to how do you do that like you know they're like we get tired of doing the same it's like 10 takes on the same scene you know and i was like <laughs> but there's a difference because we have an audience we have yeah. a new cast member every night which is 1700 people in the audience so there's a different energy that comes with that that fuels your performance i think um but in terms of the technical elements of it so i haven't done like a ton of on-camera work I've, I've done a bit of it but the i think what i'm learning about it continuing to learn is that it it's it's not i think all acting is the same right like you're do you're there to do something so you got to figure out like what's happening why are you there what are you doing what you're doing for right so uh but the it's sort of like the muscles you use there it's like going from like powerlifting to crossfit you know what i mean <laughs> like you're working out both times but there it's it's a different muscle group it's a different thing and i find that for for on-camera work i just have to do a lot less than i usually do because the camera is going to pick up a lot more so especially if i'm used to filling up a 1700 seat auditorium which we are um instead of instead of like playing something like that all i have to really do is move my eyes most of the time you know what i mean so it's 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 and it's not different it's not about like changing the way you're doing anything it's just about recognizing what and, and and trying to get into this mode of what would I do if I was sitting with a person here because I am mm -hmm. right so in a lot of ways like especially if we've been in theater for a long time we have instincts based on that experience and your instincts aren't geared for the film and tv this is what I was talking with some of the like the cast about is that like I just don't have those instincts and they do and so when they get big or small it all reads the right way because they know how to make choices and they just do that very naturally so but what I mostly what I learned is like just try to be present and and at the end of it try not to think about it as much as you can you know what I mean like uh, that work the work of like what I'm going to deliver it to, to try to bring it in to try to be a little uh, more specific and, and perhaps less I hate the word broad because that sounds fake but like to to maybe distill what I'm doing down mm -hmm. to a more a, a finer pure thing um would be uh you do that before so you do that and you think okay this is this is my instinct okay but i'm on camera so it's almost like you know we work with puppets and masks so like when i'm in pumba i laugh but when i was learning the puppet i had to go so puma's laughing so i've got to do this this and this and this you know uh, what i mean mm -hmm. you do that before you get to the stage so that when you're on stage you play when yeah. you're on stage you're alive and you're dealing with what's happening and that's sort of the thing here it's like okay so this is my instinct here what would that look like on camera okay let me work that in and until it feels true and feels right and then do that you know for the and then i was lucky enough to the director was a guy named alex chapel he's also an executive producer on the show and he oh, oh what a gift here's a, all directors in my humble opinion all directors should be cheerleaders that tell you how to do better 
that's what every director should be <laughs> because, <laughs> because because otherwise you're just like oh sure, i'm screwing it up oh it's terrible and every time you come in oh that's great that's so great thank you so much. that's really, really great now uh, let's just what, what, but maybe we just think about this you know what i mean like so so very collaborative very much like i'm totally on your team here this is working we've got it in the can let's get more options you know what i mean like and that's that's the way to work so but your director will help you with that especially mm -hmm. if you've got a good director you know so like for the audition for that i think it's really just about saying like how do i find the 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 the, the purest simplest way of doing this thing whereas what if i was on stage and i'm the one in control of the medium because the camera's in control of the medium on film but if i'm the one in control of the medium I can make that whatever I want. You can't do that on film and TV. That medium <laughs> is set for you. You know what I mean? And so it's it's just another, it's a technical element that I think you just have to figure out how to work into your toolbox. It's a very I love long that. answer. Oh no, it's a, it was a perfect, it was a perfect answer. Okay. Um, I, we've been doing by we because austin is my reader every time yeah. i do these and so we've been doing you bet, bet you love that right buddy yeah <laughs> that's fun stuff we've had quite a journey so oh yeah like the worst the that's never a marriage destroyer ever <laughs> yeah. but now we're doing pretty good actually i think yeah yeah, yeah we, we've been doing a lot better with it because i think at first it was just about me being nervous and not being my kindest version of myself because I'm nervous. Oh, that's weird. I'm always my kindest. It's <laughs> so weird. What's wrong with you? <laughs> and then it was about like, yeah, that was mainly it. And once we got over that, then we were able to meet each other and, and, yeah. and give each other what we need. But the greatest thing that I have experienced in doing a, a bunch of auditions now is I'm getting better at memorizing everything. It feels... Yeah it feels way more natural it's like oh, okay this is all right how many scenes oh, okay oh, okay and then you know 10 minutes later I'm like okay Austin, let's just do this one and then i'll go back and learn the next one and you know it makes i don't know it just makes for a better experience for both of us yeah. if we keep it short yeah oh but, yes but what i'm discovering is that the more i connect with the character or the more it feels more natural to me the um the less nervous I am, the more connected I feel. And it kind of goes against to what you were saying earlier, where you were like, you know, you, you're kind of, you, it's felt like you had more of like a Meryl Streep um, type of approach to it, like become, you know, become someone else yeah. in it. And, you know, and then that's the art. But I'm finding when I get into these TV and film auditions for me, because I'm starting out and it's new and new and new, the closer I feel connected to the character, the the more natural it feels for me to say these lines and like, mm. oh yeah, I would totally do that in real life. It feels easier to to um, open the door in, sure. in this realm in that way. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I feel like if I got something really off the wall, like maybe something sci-fi, um, then I could really take it there because it would feel so otherworldly. But mm -hmm. when, like I've gotten called in for like a detective that, you know, you know, she made a wrong move or whatever, you know, now she's, she drinks too much. I just, I didn't connect with it at all. And the whole time, all I was just like, I don't understand her. I don't understand her. I don't understand mm -hmm. her. And it's all, I, it was a block for me. Sure, sure, yeah, yeah. Well, I think that like, in, in terms of like becoming another character and stuff, I, I think that you're always gonna bring, you're always gonna bring whatever you would be in those circumstances, mm -hmm. right? So like, so I, I think there's still an element of us in all of our characters. You know, there are actors who disappear into roles. And I think that's extraordinary. I don't really do that. You know what I mean? But but also when we're talking about filming TV, especially if we're talking about something like, uh, you know, a, a, like a cop show, right? Yeah. Like FBI or something like that. Like, these are all 
people living in modern day America like us. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, so, so this is not the thing. Like we're not, I'm not, I'm not doing an Oscar Wilde play here. You know what I mean? Like, like I'm not, uh, you know, so, so it's, so it, it, it's my, my agent once said to me that it ain't Chekhov. So, you know, you just, I think that there's an element of that. And um, there's a time and a place to experiment with like big characters. And there are times when you'll get that audition. You're like, I'm going to do a second take and I'm just going to really go off the rails oh, nice. and it might work <laughs> and it might be really embarrassed, you know? <laughs> so that's kind of the fun thing about film and TV is that you can, you can do that. But no, I think that, I think that the, particularly when you talk about like modern stuff set in our day and age, right? Like, like, if, like if you're doing something like marvelous Mrs. Maisel or uh, p- period pieces, Bridgerton, any of those stuff, like that's going to be a different, process that's mm-hmm. going to be a different you're going to have to do a lot of research you're going to have to figure out like okay what what were people wearing how did they stand how did they say like that's all part of the information like if i'm auditioning for fbi in 2021 i've got most of that information you know what i mean so yeah. that's so so yeah I, I think that that i think we're talking about the same thing it's just it really depends on what the work is that you're doing you know what i mean that will inform that yeah, yeah, definitely. So with with all the auditions that you've done, because I know you still audition while you're on stage, uh, while you're on stage, while you are in, on contract with The Lion King, what's the craziest audition story you've ever had, experience you've had? So so this is the one, I'll tell, I'll tell two. I'll tell one I screwed up and one I booked, okay? And <laughs> the, one I, the one I screwed up, I had, it was like, I was going in for like a one, it was the same casting director both times uh i went it was like a one line audition and i think it was for like person of interest and it was like it was like no no, no don't shoot me i did this for some reason i don't remember what it was <laughs> it was like that no problem like li- literally three sentences <laughs> boom been in for this caster he's cast me before at this point it's like i know this guy whatever like you know get up hey how you doing awesome cool yeah let's do this thing all right and action first sentence sorry sorry seven times it took me seven tries to get out three sentences and by the end of it he was like it's one line i don't know what the problem is i "I don't know what the problem is it was awful and i went out and i i called my agent i was like i'm so sorry i like i was ready for it this was like, and she was like, it's like your first really crappy one in like five years. It's okay. You know what I mean? She was like, learn from it. You'll be fine. You know what I mean? Booked that. Then they wrote the part out of the show. So oh. it was like, I was like, I don't even know. It was like a big roller coaster. But the second one, the one that I actually booked and got to perform was Madam Secretary. I had a little one scene part in Madam Secretary. I got a call from my agent at noon and they were like, hey, can you get to so-and-so's casting office in four hours and can you do an Israeli accent? Oh my god. And gosh. I was like, and I was like, cause I mean, I know I look super Israeli. <laughs> um, and I was like, I know, but you know what I mean? Like that's not, Israeli accent is not like when you just have in your back pocket, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, so I was like, like, I was like, no, I do like Western Europe. I do the boring white people of Western Europe. That's why I do like, so, uh, but I was like, I mean, I'll look it up. I got a couple hours here. So it's like, I'll look it up, but tell them it's like going to be, don't expect like a a finished product here. You know, she was like, all right, sure. Yeah, fine. They want to see you. And I was like, okay. So like went home, changed my shirt, rolled on down to the casting office and like went in and I was like, they were like, Hey, how you doing with the accent? I was like, okay guys, 
I watched some Gal Gadot and like Benjamin Netanyahu videos, okay? He's like, this is this is how far we've gotten in the work. So, because you gave me like three apps. So I was like, I was like, so I'll give it a shot. And I did this like. Adrian and I hope that you have enjoyed listening to the show thus far. If you'd like to hear the full interview and get access to the curtain call, head on over to 32barcut.com where you can find a link to our Patreon page. There you will have exclusive access to the entire video collection and private RSS podcast feed, as well as other subscriber-only content. All right, that's all I got. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time.